honoring the many contributions women have made to our industry and our nation's aviation heritage. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for business aviation news. In recognition of Women's History Month, throughout March, NBAA has spotlighted through its website and social media channels several exemplary female aviation pioneers, both historically and for today. On that note, I'm pleased to welcome now four women from diverse backgrounds, all connected by their passion for aviation. We'll begin with Dorothy Cochran, Curator for General Aviation at the National Air and Space Museum. Dorothy's currently working on the exhibit, We All Fly, spotlighting the many women who've made significant contributions throughout our nation's aviation history. That includes Jerry Mock, who was the first woman to fly solo around the world, and she did it in a single-engine Cessna. You know, she was pretty remarkable because she called herself a simple housewife. Uh, She was college-educated. She did have some aeronautical engineering uh, studies that she did at school. But she and her husband basically did this out of their home with uh, planning uh, the whole trip, buying the airplane, uh, getting it prepared, working with the Air Force on some of the uh, landing sites, working with uh, the government on permits, you know, getting everything that she needed ready. But it was a pretty remarkable kind of kitchen table flight uh, preparation that then she executed so well, um, just flying around the world with all that could go wrong with a single engine and one person and all of the diplomatic and, and of course, mechanical issues. She really did a remarkable job. So we'll have her Cessna 180 hanging in this new gallery. We do mention some of the other women, such as Amelia Earhart, Jackie Cochran, who was very famous as a racing pilot. One woman that I thought of that's kind of interesting is is the earliest American female pilot, Harriet Quimby, who was actually a very successful businesswoman when she became enamored with aviation and decided to take it up herself as part of her job as a journalist and a photographer. So she was already a very well-established businesswoman and and took this next step to engage in it herself, learn more about it herself, and then present it to the public. So you have a variety of these women who turned out to be pretty decent businesswomen on their own who are either using aviation to forward themselves in their position or are just so enamored with aviation that they learn how to become good businesswomen, which is kind of more what Amelia Earhart did. Because she wanted a career in aviation, she learned how to be a good businesswoman and promote herself and, and earn a living and carve out a career at a time, of course, when women were not expected in aviation. And there's a whole list of other women, really. Uh, one of the standouts is a woman who uh, wasn't a pilot, but was an expert uh, businesswoman in aviation, Olive Ann Beach, who started the Beach Aircraft Corporation you know, with her husband, Walter Beach, the, the founder, and worked side by side with him for 20 years or more and then took over the company after his death and worked another 30 years on it and then built it into this great company. So there's a woman who really took business aviation and general aviation to heights unknown before. Also joining us is Dr. Becky Ludy, an associate professor with the University of Nebraska-Omaha Aviation Institute. She's done extensive research into what makes aviation an attractive career path for women. 
I did a survey in cooperation with Women in Aviation International and supported by the NASA Nebraska Space Grant and University of Nebraska at Omaha to find out some of those issues. And we even heard this from the stories that Dorothy just told about some of the great women in history in aviation. Because what draws women in, what the top five were in the survey with a long list of factors, what really draws women in are number one, the passion for aviation, that it's perceived as an adventurous profession and a fun profession, that women have the desire to prove their personal abilities and they want a challenging career. So what we hear from that top five is, it's the excitement and the coolness and the fun and the challenge of aviation, that's what's drawing women in. And that helps us understand a little bit more about outreach. So what was not on that list, what didn't make the top five were things like the money and the salary, or even things like STEM. So I think when we look at what this information shows us, it helps us to kind of rethink what we're doing in outreach and recruitment for women in aviation. So I think historically, we focused a lot on STEM first and aviation second. And we know now what draws them in, right? It's the fun, excitement. So we really need to focus, I think, on aviation first And this building of women in STEM will follow from that. One of the other things that we know from research is that girls tend to self-select out of STEM starting at about junior high age. So we really want to hit that focus on aviation first. As my friend and colleague from EAA, Heather Penny says, what we don't want to send is the message that if you're not interested in STEM, aviation is not interested in you. Instead, we want to use what we know, particularly about the fun, excitement, adventurous field, people's desire for that challenging career, and build outreach and recruitment around those themes to help move the needle. Wendy Gavigan, CAM, is a vice president and manager of flight operations at Citigroup. She's worked in business aviation for more than 20 years, and she's seen firsthand some of the ways the industry's attitudes toward women have evolved. When I first came into business aviation, I was very young, in my my early 20s, and I, I pretty much had blinders on. I didn't really know really anything about business, business aviation and what I was getting into. So it was a steep learning curve for me. And as I started to look around, I noticed in, in the little pockets or the little groups that make up business aviation, when we'll use a flight department as an example, you have pilots, mechanics, and flight attendants, admin, dispatch. When I started to look around early on, I noticed that there weren't women that were holding the mechanic jobs and the pilot jobs. But then as my career grew, I started to see more and more. I started to see the the women pilot population increase. I started to learn that there were mechanics, female mechanics that were on the field that I had no idea about. And Frankly, when I was going through school, I went to a dedicated aviation school for my undergrad and my graduate. And during my undergrad, I had no idea that a female could even go into a mechanic position. And again, I was probably just wearing blinders and just focused on what I was doing at that time. But I didn't realize that that was a career path that that a woman could take. So I did start to notice and, and listen what was happening around the airport. And I noticed that more and more women started to fly and more and more women were taking on mechanic positions. 
And even in the, the dispatch role, you don't really see many females that are non-flying advanced to a director position. And now there's a lot more of, of that happening. So I think it's a great time for, for women to be in aviation and to make the career advances that they always dreamed of. We'll be back in just a moment. But first, this word from NBAA. NBAA Flight Plan listeners, if you value the expertise you get from your weekly podcast, we've got a way for you to get answers from experts live. Our NBAA NewsHour webinars give you access to the best operational, legal, technical, and other guidance for business aviation. Participate today by visiting nbaa.org slash newshour. We're back now with our discussion about women in aviation with Wendy Gavigan, Dorothy Cochran, and Dr. Becky Ludy. Joining our conversation now is Allison McKay, the CEO of Women in Aviation International. Allison, in addition to your work at WAI, you and Becky are also among the 30 women named last year to the FAA's inaugural Women in Aviation Advisory Board that explores opportunities to encourage female students and aviators to pursue aviation careers. Please tell us about that, and in particular, the board's Success Story Subcommittee. Yeah, definitely. The mission of um, the subcommittee is to highlight programs in the United States that have um, kind of tried to to move the needle on bringing young women into the industry. And so we sent out a survey through a number of different channels, and we had um, responses from about 60 programs, ranging from small uh, community programs that just have a few kids to uh, more national programs like um, AOPA's high school curriculum, EAA's program, and of course, we uh, highlighted Women in Aviation's Girls in Aviation Day. We are hoping that once we can kind of condense the the survey results, we can go back and ask some of these programs for more detail, more specifics about how they started and what their growth potentials are, so that we can highlight some of these programs and um, and hopefully move the needle and have them more readily available nationally. You know, Girls in Aviation Day, for example, is typically held in the fall. And, um, and we utilize our chapter network to put on these events, and they are very successful. There's a lot of repeat attendees year after year who, who come, and I think that the more exposure young women have to all the careers that are uh, possible in aviation, the more they will continue to explore what their passion is. And, you know, just like Becky said, I think that her research is so important because historically we have focused on this STEM to aviation angle. And, you know, the, her research shows that that's really not what draws girls into into the industry. And it can actually demotivate them to, to go into aviation if they think that it's solely based on their skills in math and science. So a lot of these programs that we are going to be highlighting are just that, like the adventure, the excitement, the challenge of our industry. And so those methods will then increase girls' interest in aviation. And they'll also get to see female role models and, and see that it is possible for them to have those types of careers. Allison, regarding the, I guess, the two-sided coin of STEM, which Becky also mentioned, in your view, how significant a hurdle is that emphasis on the scientific aspects of aviation for women looking to pursue it as a career? And what are some others? 
So to your first question, I think that if you solely focus on the math and science angle of the industry, you will lose some young girls. Um, as Becky pointed out, you know, they, they start to deselect in middle school from those subjects. So if you do hit them with the excitement and the fun of the industry, and through that, they would have to take those, those math and science classes, but they're doing it to pursue a goal, not just solely to take them for, for the, the challenge of math and science. Um, second, I think that if young women are looking to pursue a career in the industry and they don't see themselves represented in those careers, that can be discouraging in and of itself. So highlighting these women that are incredibly successful, I think, is very important to show young girls that they can do it too. And then, of course, another hurdle is proving that they can do these jobs while also having a personal life, a family, that it is possible. We get those questions so often when we have these types of events is, can you do both? Can I have a family and be a pilot or, or be a mechanic or have a career that is, you know, involves a lot of travel? How, how is that possible? And if they see that in other people, those questions can go away. Becky? Well, I certainly agree with Allison on, on all of her points. The see it, be it factor is just so very important. Um, and the more women that we get into aviation, the more young people coming into aviation will be able to see themselves in the industry. So that's a big factor. Allison commented on work-family-life balance. That was one of what I call the big three deterrents that came up in the research. So when you did research into why women are either discouraged or aren't retained in aviation, the big three factors were the cost of training, particularly on the flight side, the work-family life balance that Allison mentioned, and also culture, the gender bias that does still exist in the industry. So some of the ways to overcome those barriers, let me talk specifically about culture because it is such a big factor. Study after study shows that gender bias in aviation is a deterrent to our ability to recruit and retain women in aviation. So we do need to focus on that, and we need to talk about that and address it, and I think we can do that in a few ways. One is from leadership. It's really key, and this was shown in the IAWA Soaring Through the Glass Ceiling Study, which is a great study out there on women in aviation, and that shows that it, the key is to have more women in leadership positions, but also have leaders who are, have a strong, visible commitment to diversity. So leadership is a big part about addressing uh, bias and culture. And the other is, you know, quite frankly, creating awareness that yes, this is still an issue um, and then creating some tools to address it, whether that's training and allyship or mentorship programs. And I think one of the key areas too, is that we need to start looking at issues like bias in aviation and move the conversation beyond HR. It's no longer just an HR issue. This really should be included in conversations about aviation operations. So it should be a part of professional standards, human factors, a required component of SMS, because it does impact um, our operations in aviation. So those are some of the barriers that have been identified. I think some of the ways that we can start looking at addressing those barriers, again, so that we can increase not only the number of women in aviation, but so that we can keep the women that we already have. Wendy, did any of these potential obstacles arise in your career? I've heard the word no more times than I can count. And I think that that's one of the really big discouraging things where you see something that you want to obtain and you want to go after 
and you reach out to people that you appreciate in the industry and you ask their opinion and you're told no, like that's either not the right career path to go or that's not the right certification to get. And you end up starting to doubt yourself. And the doubting of yourself is where people start to back off and, and wonder, you know, is this really worth pursuing any further? Like, it just seems like every time I ask a question or any time I, I want to go for something, I'm being held back from it. So I took it as we'll use like the, the GPS of the world. So you're, you're out there and you're traveling in your car and you're following GPS and all of a sudden there's a roadblock. So it recalculates for you. So that's what I did. So I recalculated over my career to determine, you know, did I really want to go out and get that dispatch certificate? Yeah, I did. And if the company I was working for at the time didn't believe that the dispatch certificate was required, I believed it. So I went ahead and made the necessary means for me to go ahead and get that. Um, so it's little things like that is just keep recalculating your your destination you know where you want to go and just because there's something that's blocking your path doesn't mean that you stop there so if you have to reroute on your road you have to reroute for weather whatever it is reroute to get around to your destination dorothy listening to experiences like wendy's and considering the groundbreaking women in our industry today like martha king and patty wagstaff it's clear many of the same challenges faced by women like Earhart, Bessie Coleman, Jerry Mock, those challenges are still there. Yes, I did. When you want to talk about hurdles and barriers, Bessie Coleman certainly faced formidable barriers everywhere she turned. She didn't think of aviation right off the bat when she was trying to figure out what she wanted to do in life. She knew what she didn't want to do. And there was very little that uh, an African-American woman could do in the late 1910s and the early 1920s. And, you know, she didn't want to be a cook and she didn't want to be a maid and all that sort of thing. And she was looking for something to be an independent person with, to find something that she could build a life on. And then she was talking with her brother about, what am I going to do? I just can't stay here in Chicago and do these other jobs. And he said, well, you know, I saw women pilots flying in, in France. Maybe you should do that. And it was just one of those things where she looked at him and said, hmm, maybe I will. So, you know, she gets a spark just from a joke that her brother makes, having been in France, you know, during the war. And, but then to try to make it happen, everywhere she turns, of course, is no. She can't get instruction. She doesn't have a lot of money. You know, she doesn't have a real mentor in the beginning, but she goes about building that up. And she does work at jobs as a hairdresser and, 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 and as a manicurist. And she does find mentors in the African-American community, the publisher of the Defender newspaper in Chicago and others. They do start to see that this woman, you know, really wants to make something of herself and they try to help her in her effort. But she still has to go to France to find training. She cannot find any training for a, a, as a black woman in the United States. And so she makes not just one, but two trips to France, first to get her license and then to go back for a second round of training with the idea that I want to bring others along and I want to establish my own flight school so that I can help other women 
who want to pursue this. So we talk about her in the We All Fly Gallery and then also get to the other end of the spectrum with Patty Wagstaff, who was a woman whose father was an airline pilot and developed a passion for aviation and set about doing it herself at first with her husband and then with the encouragement of her father. So she gets a little better start, obviously. And then she is such an excellent pilot and so professional and figures out immediately what she wants to do, do competition, then eventually doing air shows. And now, you know, she's do, she's running an aerobatic school. So sure, she faced the same doubts along the way, but because she did have some of these other entrees with family and uh, helping her and just the super passion that she had and being a little bit later when she started in the 80s and then into the 90s, she was able to break those barriers. And so then she was able to reach the top of the aerobatic profession by becoming the first woman to win the unlimited aerobatic championship fly against men and women. And now she's gone on and, and built another school for men, women, anyone who wants to come and do that. So the lesson is to find what you want to do when you run up against a hurdle, you pivot, you turn, you make it work so that it works for you and so that you feel like you're accomplishing something that you want to do and something that benefits others. What advice do you have, Dorothy, for those aspiring to follow in the footsteps of these highly accomplished women? Identify something that you think you might want to do. The first thing you need to do is is just be open to suggestion and then get out and experience things. And if you think you're interested in aviation, you know, you can find an air show, you can find a internship, or you can do volunteer work. You know, those internships, volunteer, that's certainly one of the best ways to get into any job. But it really works in aviation when people see that you really want to be a part of it. And you can do that at a museum, you can do it at a business, you can do it on the flight line. There are always going to be people who maybe think that you don't have what it takes. So you just have to dig deep and be able to look at these other examples of women who did carve out these careers and then just take it where it takes you. And I think one of the things I know that I think was mentioned by others here is to to be able to do everything you can to be ready to have the ratings, to have the education, and then be open to suggestion and pivot to other areas. If one way it seems blocked or you just don't feel like you're getting there, try another avenue and just keep working your way up. Wendy, I also really liked your analogy earlier about the importance of recalculating your route when encountering roadblocks. What else would you like to leave listeners with today? The way I think of it, there's something that is worthwhile takes time. And as you're moving along and trying to figure out what you want to do, or if you're already established in your career, the more you move on through to where you want to be, the growth becomes harder. And when I say the growth becomes harder, meaning that you're going to have to just stretch more. There's going to be a, a lot more competition out there. You're going to have to find out what is inside of you that you're going to be able to present to get to that goal. And it was mentioned, I think it might have been Dorothy was, was saying to, to talk to other people and be open to other ideas. 
with that, I wanted to also mention that it's okay to have a mentor that you grow out of. It's almost like a, a snail in a shell that grows out of its shell. It goes for the next bigger shell. So it's okay to grow out of a mentor and find another mentor that fits where you're going next with what you want to do. And then along the same line of opportunity, never pass up an opportunity that is presented to you. And it could be something as little as a training opportunity. If you might think that you can do this training maybe next year, but next year you might not have that same opportunity. There might be something that's standing in your way. It could be a financial crisis and the company just can't afford to send you to a particular training course that they could do the year prior. So with whatever is presented to you, always try to act on it and take advantage of what is being presented. Even if you don't understand why something is being presented to you, go stay open to it, do whatever you, you can. And again, it takes some time if it's worthwhile to you. Becky, what advice do you have? Well, it's hard to follow that up. And I love Wendy's comment about recalculating the GPS when you hit a roadblock. Wendy, that is going to stick with me for a while. So, I mean, even when you've been in aviation for a little while, you still need to hear that message every now and then. So I think that's terrific. So part of just to add on to what's been said, I would say find what you love to do, find that passion for aviation and go for it. And don't be afraid of not being perfect. Don't be afraid of making mistakes or failure. I know I have made a few, certainly plenty, I'm sure, along the way. Um, I would even argue if you're not making a few mistakes or failing here and there, you're probably not pushing the boundaries, I guess, a little bit uh, enough. So so don't be afraid of that. Um, also, I think it's really key to have a, have a support group. So have your group of women that support you, that you can go to, to celebrate your successes, to prop you up when you need it including mentors. And as Wendy described, you know, maybe even changing and growing out of mentors as you progress. Uh, but no, you know, the bottom line, really, if, if this is what you want to do, absolutely go for it and know that there is a whole community of support out there in women aviation uh, in our industry to help. Allison? So I guess I'll piggyback on both Wendy and Becky and expand a little bit on the importance of mentors. And they don't all have to be women. Rising up through my career, I didn't really happen upon female mentors right away. But the male mentor, is it can be just as powerful and encouraging. In your local community, if you want to fly or you want to fix, go to your local airport. This industry is full of people that are so passionate, that want to encourage you to join. Everybody I've, I've come in contact with is really, really supportive and so enthusiastic about aviation, whatever their niche may be. And they just want to give you that same passion. And so I think from those connections you make, it can be even early on when you're a kid, you know, going to these girls in aviation day events or going to an air show. People are more than willing to tell you how great the industry is, how great their profession is, and some tips for you to take with you. Scholarships that are available, for example. Uh, most of these trade organizations have scholarship programs and they are, they are really interested in giving you that leg up. So there is a network that really can support you as you enter and as you continue through your career. 
In addition to the workforce efforts already discussed, the We All Fly Gallery at the National Air and Space Museum that Dorothy's working on will also feature the interactive Entry Points exhibit, offering basic information about 25 career areas in aviation. One more way to introduce women to the many potential opportunities available to them in the industry. That exhibit is currently scheduled to open in the fall of next year. Of course, encouraging women to pursue aviation careers is also part of NBAA's work to foster a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive business aviation community. To learn more about the association's efforts, visit nbaa.org forward slash workforce. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts in the App Store, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking Alexa or another connected device, or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for a new episode of Flight Plan. Flight Plan.